listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Saturday night service in Brea, California. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Right now we're in a series called Rooted. Everybody say Rooted. A rooted is a foundation for a better you. That's the whole theme. That's the whole uh, message there. And it's all about growing. It's all about uh, becoming the person God has created you to be. Kind of like this Hass avocado tree back here. This cute little young Hass. The other night I, had to, I heard there was a frost warning. We put this outside during the week. And I ran down here to the church and I pulled this little baby in because I didn't want her to die. We're taking good. And she's doing good. She's flourishing. Uh, this is a little Hass avocado tree right here. Now, this is, this is the beginning stages of a Hass avocado tree. This is like our church right here. Just getting started, just starting to grow, and, and, and it's not really producing a whole lot of fruit yet. But our vision is to be a tree like this. Take a look at these trees. See, this is a full-blown Hass avocado tree. Doesn't that look beautiful? Don't those avocados look delicious? Uh, who does not like avocados in here? Okay, you're going to struggle with tonight's message. I promise you. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we actually gave out avocados to everybody. You missed out on that. Um, the, the, the parable, the reason we're talking about this is because there's a parable that God gives us about growing and roots and strengthening our roots to become the person God's created us to be. We know that the fruitfulness of this tree is dependent on what's going on down here in the roots. The fruitfulness of those trees, it, it, it matters what's happening in the roots. It's the same thing with our own spiritual life. We won't experience the things that God has created for us if our spiritual roots are weak or shallow or dried out. It's the same way. Our fruitfulness depends on our spiritual roots. And we decided to explore a teaching of Jesus Christ called a parable, and it's called the parable of the sower. Now, the first time I heard that, I was thinking, is it talking about sowing like this? No, it's all about a farmer. And a parable, as I mentioned to you before, a parable is a story with a lesson. It's a, it's a type of analogy with symbols and metaphors. It's a very appropriate, a very effective way to teach. It ties common ideas and thoughts to a principle that is deep, and it's able, it's, it's able for us to remember. This particular parable, Jesus talks about a farmer planting seed in various types of soil. And that's what we've unpacked over the last few weeks here at Refinery. I would recommend going to iTunes and searching a Refinery Church podcast, and you'll be able to take a listen to all of our previous podcasts and, and catch up on where we're at. Jesus illustrates that this parable about a farmer planting seed into soil is the same as God's word, right here, his word, being planted into our hearts, into our lives. Um, reminds me of a story uh, dealing with our heart. Uh, there was a kindergarten class that uh, was getting started. It was, the, it was the beginning of the year, and um, they had to learn the Pledge of Allegiance. How many of you guys remember kindergarten? How many remember kids in kindergarten, right? So cute. I love kindergartners. Matter of fact, I used to open the door at my daughter's school for all the parents to help the kids get to, to class. That was one of my duties as a dad. And I loved the little kindergartners. There was this one little boy, and I'd open the door for him. He's cute. He'd go, hello, Mr. Fellows. And he was always so happy to go to school. And I just loved it. And he'd walk off. He'd trot off to school. I said, I love kindergartners. They love school. Talk to a high schooler, on the other hand. It's like, man, I got to go to school. Ah, the freshness of kindergarten. Well, there was this one kid. His name was Brady. 
was his first day of kindergarten and the whole class was getting ready to learn the Pledge of Allegiance and the teacher says, okay, take your right hand and you're going to put it, and she had to teach him which one was their right one. And, okay, now put it over your heart and repeat after me. We're going to repeat the Pledge of Allegiance. And so the teacher uh, uh, watched the children and she started to do the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag and, and she kind of looked around and then she stopped. And she noticed that Brady's right hand wasn't over his his heart, his Brady's right hand was over his left butt cheek. <laughs> and he's just standing there doing Pledge of Allegiance, repeating after her. And she said, Brady, I can't continue until you put your hand on your heart. And he says, well, teacher, my hand is over my heart. And she's like, no, your heart's in you. And she begins to talk with him. And of course, he's not listening. He just wants to do it because he feels that that's where his heart is. After several attempts to try to get Brady to do it the right way, she says, well, what makes you think your heart is back there? Because he says, well, every time my Grammy comes over, she picks me up and pats me right there and says, bless his little heart. <laughs> and my Grammy don't lie, she said, he said. Yeah. Oh, isn't that sweet? Bless his little heart. So when you pat your spouse's rear end, bless her little heart. <laughs> the, heart we're, the heart we're talking about here in Scripture is not the one that's beaten in your chest. It's your innermost being. It's, it's your soul. It's where your emotions and, and your feelings reside. And just like your physical body needs a strong heart to survive, your spiritual life needs a strong spiritual heart. And a few months ago, I actually taught on the series called Heart Matters. And we got into what it means to have a strong spiritual heart. If you want to go back, I recommend go back and listen to it. And you'll understand what the Bible talks about when it's referring to the heart of man. It's not necessarily the thing pumping the blood. But it goes a little bit deeper. So what we want to do is we want to look at this passage one more time and look at the condition of our hearts and let the Bible kind of be a mirror to our own conditions, our own spiritual conditions. Tonight I'm going to read uh, the whole parable one more time so that we can get the full context of it. And since we have a few new guests here tonight, I'm noticing it's good for us to go over this together. So Franny, come up. Give me a little reading music. Can you do that? How many of you guys appreciate Franny? Isn't she beautiful? Great voice. Thank you, Franny. Give me a little reading music, would you? What do we got here? That's some good reading music. I like that. <laughs> Take a look at the screen. You can follow along with me. Mark chapter 4. Here's the parable. It says, listen, Jesus says, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and they ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wither, wilted under the hot sun. Since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. Still other seed fell on fertile soil and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Y'all got ears? Everybody in here got ears? Now listen so you can understand. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parable meant. <coughs> so he goes on to explain in verse 14. The farmer plants seed. 
by taking God's word, if I say God's word, God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they're not rooted, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the, the lure or the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. Verse 20, And the seed that fell on the good soil represent those who hear and accept God's word, and it produces of harvest 30, 60, or even 100 times what has been planted. Thank you, Miss Franny. Good reading music. Wasn't that good? Thank you, Franny. Good word. I hope, you're, I hope you were hearing that. I hope you received already. I, I believe God's word is pure enough that sometimes I don't even need to give commentary. But tonight I do, there is something I want to break down. I want to break down that fourth bit of soil. And, and, and now some of you might be saying, well, Pastor Kelly, why is this parable? Why are we spending a whole month on this one parable of Jesus? Because I believe this is a cornerstone parable. I believe that this is a jugular, important principle found in God's word. Because God created you to more than exist, more than just sit here breathing air, eating food, and getting through your day, more than just working hard and April 15th is coming, paying taxes, waiting for retirement so that you can relax. There's more to this life than just living and dying. God's desire is that your life would be productive and fruitful, fruitful. Jesus Christ himself said the reason he even came to earth is so that you could have life and life abundantly, overflowing with purpose and meaning and fruitfulness. John 10.10 10 says, I have come that they would have life and life abundantly. See, God made you to be like this tree, growing, developing, and being fruitful. You go all the way back to the very beginning. The first humans, God says to them, hey, be fruitful and multiply. He uses that terminology with the first humans. There in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Your life is supposed to be a fruitful life. I know some of us go, well, you're supposed to be apples out of my ears, oranges out of my nose. You know what? What are you talking about, Kelly? Well, in, in weeks to come, we're going to talk about the kind of fruit that we are to be developing in our lives. But for, for now, we want to continue to focus on the roots and focus on the soil. God wants you to experience the promises that are found in this seed, his word. That's what makes this parable so important. That's why we camp out on it. Jesus gave us the keys to being and living the best life possible right here in his word. The principles in this parable, the, the principles in this parable are better than any investment book that you can read. Whether it's Warren Buffett or Mark Cuban, 
I guarantee you, the principles you're going to find in this book far exceed what they can offer you. The, the advice that you get from Oprah or Ellen doesn't compare to the advice we can get from this timeless word of God. That's why we're digging into it. That's why it's so important. He shows us, God shows us how we can function at 100% of who he's created us to be. Not 10, not 50, but 100%. Each of us can. And you know where it starts? It starts with the heart. The condition of our heart. 100% of God's promises can come to pass in your life. If the condition of your heart is right, if it's fertile soil. Everybody say fertile soil. Fertile soil. Not rocky soil like we've talked about. Not thorny soil. Not hard packed soil. But fertile soil. And you guard that seed like it's precious. Then his words will be fruitful in your life. Just take a look at some of these promises found in the Old Testament. Take a look up here. It starts with the heart. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 1 through 3. Take a look at what it says. It says, my son, do not forget my teachings, but keep my commands where? In your, In your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. That's fruitfulness. That's fruitfulness. A few Proverbs later, Proverbs 7.1 says, my son, keep my words. Treasure my commands within you. Hold on to it. Take a hold of that seed and don't let it go. Don't give up. When hard time comes, don't let go. Trust. And then finally, David says this in Psalm 119.11. He knew how to keep on the right path. And the way to keep on the right path, doing the right things, take a look. I have hidden your word, where? In my heart, that I might not sin against you. He knew that word had to get in there and he had to hold on to it so that he could be the person God created him to be and live the life he was supposed to live. Fertile soil is key. Say that with me. Fertile soil is key. But the question is, how do you have fertile soil? How do you have a heart that's fertile? Fertile soil is rich in nutrients. I, I got a bag up here. Um, I got my, my bag of planter mix. I get the, it's not the most expensive planter mix you can buy at the store, but it works. I've used Kellogg's since I was a young man. And, uh, and, it, and, it, and it actually, actually what we used inside of our planter here. This is the kind of fertile soil that we placed in this planter so that this tree could be what it's supposed to be. I love getting my hands dirty. Anybody like getting their hands dirty? Wave at me if you're, you got, there's something about just getting into the dirt. I know Chad back there, didn't you just recently plant a nice garden in your backyard? I like to get into that dirt and, and see life come from that dirt. I love doing that myself. Um, when my wife and I bought our first house, we were living in Hesperia, California, and uh, we've been married for about five years. Uh, we had a new little baby and uh, we decided we were at a place in our life to purchase a house. So we bought a house and had a good sized backyard. And I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give a little special gift to my wife. I'm going to, I'm going to take a portion of the yard. I'm going to turn it into a strawberry field. And, and, and of course the Beatles song was playing in my head the whole time I was thinking about strawberry fields forever. And I wanted to make a straw because she loves strawberries. 
And I thought, if Mr. Knott could get famous for the boysenberry, maybe I can be famous for strawberries. And I had all these visions of this beautiful strawberry field. So, so I, I got out there and I started to prepare the, the soil because I knew that's what I had to do. Remember, I'm living in Hesperia and the soil is hard. It's rock hard. So I needed to get the soil prepared. And there were three main things that I did to prepare this soil for those strawberry plants to grow. And tonight what I want to do is I want to take a moment and parallel the way I prepared the soil in Hesperia to how we can prepare the soil of our heart. Is that good? Let's do this. The three things I had to do were this. Number one, take a look. I had to till the soil. Everybody say till the soil. I had to till the soil. Uh, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, I showed you the picture of the rototiller that my dad purchased when I was a little kid. Well, you heard me tell the story about riding it like a buck and bronco. Um, I, I learned how to use a rototiller. Uh, and now I'm an adult and I've got my own backyard. And so I rented a rototiller and I started to till up that soil. And I had to break that hard ground so that I could prepare the soil for the, the, the strawberries that I wanted to plant. Our hearts have to, be, have to have the same thing. Our hearts can quickly get hard. In the society that we live in today, our hearts can get hardened by all sorts of things. And I talked a couple of weeks about it. But one of the things that truly hardens our heart, and I want to focus on this tonight, is pride. Pride. Everybody say pride. Pride, pride is a thing that hardens the human heart to the things of God. Sometimes in our society in America, we celebrate pride. Oh, pride can be a good thing. Sometimes confidence can be confused with pride. But pride is not necessarily the best thing for your heart. Because pride keeps things from getting in there that should be in there. The Bible says that actually God resists the proud. Pride says, I don't need anybody. I can do this myself. Pride says, I don't need God. Who needs God? I'm a self-made man. St. Augustine said, it was pride that changed angels into devils. It's humility that makes men angels. Proverbs 3.34 says that God resists the proud, but he favors those who are humble. The picture you should get in your mind is God resists the proud. Basically, it's like God's hand going, hold on here, hold on here, hold on here. When it comes to pride, God resists that. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be resisted by God. The one thing the Bible says that God resists is pride. He's not shunning. He's not shaming. He's just kind of holding back, hoping and praying that your heart will soften up. But he favors the humble. He favors, come on in heart of humility. Now, oftentimes humility can be misunderstood. Oftentimes humility can appear as weakness. Oh, this person is weak. That's not what true humility is. Actually, true humility is strength and confidence. Enough confidence to know that you don't have to be in the limelight. You don't have to be the first one in line. It's the confidence and strength that says, it's okay, let me let you go first. It's the confidence of humility that put Jesus on a cross and he stayed on a cross. He stayed on that cross. 
brutally beaten and crucified by mankind. He had the confidence and the strength to say, I'm going to stay here because by being here, I'm going to pay the price for all of mankind's sins. It's worth it. Humility. And God favors that. Later on in the New Testament, James and Peter reiterate this truth in their own letters, driving home the point that pride will not allow me to experience God's best. But a humble heart is receptive to God's ways. Humility is fertile soil to the seed of what God wants to do. I have a quote up here. I want you to take a look at that. Matter of fact, pull out your phones, would you? Pull out your phones and take a picture of that real quick. Because that's something to keep on your screen. That's something to be reminded of. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. That's tweetable right there. Matter of fact, you may want to open up Twitter right there. At we are refinery. Hashtag Pastor Kelly Rocks. There you go. <laughs> Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Matter of fact, let me encourage you guys, take a picture of that. I'd say even put that on your Instagram if you feel, if you feel comfortable doing that. Put that on your Instagram. Say, this is good. This is good. Post that on your Instagram, at We Are Refinery. Tag us. So it starts with breaking up that hard heart and humbly acknowledging the need and the dependency on God. Got to talk with a new friend tonight. And uh, him and I were just talking, and he acknowledged even this fact that we have a dependency. We need to acknowledge our dependency on God. We in America, hmm, we are independent. We are self-sufficient. We are self-reliant. And at times, God is saying, yeah, but you need me, the God of the universe. And I have great things I want to sow into your heart. Tilling up that soil of pride and becoming humble. Number two, got to fertilize the soil. Mmm, fertilizer. Mmm, fertilizer. Once I was driving through Nebraska with my boss, and we were driving across the long, long roads of Nebraska, and uh, he, uh, he rolled down the window, and he took in a big whiff. He had grown up on the, far, on the corn farms of Nebraska, and he'd worked those farms. He took a big whiff, and he goes, mmm, smell that? And I go, yeah, that stinks. What is that? He goes, oh, that's the smell of money right there. I'm like, that's the smell of something. That ain't money. That smells like poop. He said, oh, yeah, you may think stinky manure, but we think money out here because that fertilizer fertilizes the soil. It conditions the soil. That stinky manure makes, provides nutrients, puts nutrients in that soil. Absorption, which makes it possible for the corn to grow. And the corn means money. So see, when we smell that... We don't think it stinks. We think of money. I got some fertilizer here. Thought I'd pass around a little for you to take a whiff of. No, I won't do that. But, uh, you know, all, I got a little fertilizer, and, and we need to, they've, they've sanitized this. It doesn't smell so bad. Mm, a little bit. Not too much. But I want to make sure that uh, our tree gets a little fertilizer so that some nutrients can be in there. 
so this tree can grow and become the tree that God's designed it to be. I actually like this. I like, I like, the, like what this says. Hold on a second. I wanted to read this. Promotes vigorous growth and high yields. See, that's what fertilizer does. Promotes vigorous growth and high yields. Lots of fruit. That's what fertilizer does, right? It's what it's supposed to do. So how does that apply to our life? In life, we encounter stinky situations every single day. You roll down the window of your life and you go, man, today just stinks. What kind of day did you have, honey? Ah, oh, my day stinks. We encounter stinky situations that can be viewed as gross or maybe we can view it as beneficial. See, trials and difficulty, challenges that we face on a daily basis, setbacks. These challenges can be viewed as disgusting cow poop of your life or as fertilizer for personal growth. The Apostle James says it this way, James chapter 1, and I summarize verses 2 through 4. It actually is a little bit more lengthy, but the summer, summary of verses 2 through 4 say, Consider it joy when you encounter various trials, for it will produce faith. You see, that's a different perspective. That's like my boss rolling down the window going, that's the smell of money. And I'm going, no, that stinks. See, James is given a different perspective. You encounter trials or tribulations in your life and go, man, that just stinks. And James says, he goes, no, 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 no. Those are opportunities to grow. Those are opportunities to grow. That's fertilizer. Fertilizer in your heart allowing yourself to grow. See, these difficulties can actually strengthen us. Uh, my, my dad used to tell me, and he used to say this all the time, and I still hold on to it to this day, if it doesn't kill you, it'll build you. Anybody ever hear that? Anybody ever? My dad used to say, if it doesn't kill you, it'll build you. Every time I'd whine and complain about doing the weeds, getting blisters on my hand, oh, that's okay. If it doesn't kill you, it'll build you. I didn't even understand what, I meant, what that meant as a kid. I remember being a teenager thinking, if he says that again, man, I'm going to spit. And I, and I did. I spit a few times. These trials develop our character. That's what, God, that's what my dad was talking about. That's what God is talking about. Developing our character. And character helps us to withstand the drought. Our character helps us withstand those difficult times when things aren't turning out the way we think they should. Our character helps us to, to grow and to be resilient and to be determined. And that's what's necessary to guard this seed that's in our hearts. Our character will help us hold on to that seed until we start to see something coming to pass in our lives. Healing. Reconciliation of relationships. Restoration of things that have gone bad in the past that you want to see go good in the future. Like stinky fertilizer, trials, when we can embrace them rather than endure them, can nourish the growing seed of faith. And that's what we want. That's what we want to see. Number three. Take a look at number three here. Water the soil. Everybody say, water the soil. Water the soil. That's what I had to do in Asperia. Oh, man, lots of water in Asperia. 
I had to till it up. I had to get lots of fertilizer in there because it was dry. It was barren. It didn't have a lot of nutrients in it, so it needed the nutrients, and it needed lots of water. And it had to have water just about every single day. Because we live here in Southern California. We have an arid climate, don't we? And it, things dry out fast, really fast. We know that seal, seal, soil needs water. Seals need water too. It provides growth. It provides conditions for growth. What it does when it gets into the soil is it loosens the soil, right? So it's not packed so hard. And it also is a solution to help dissolve the nutrients that, provide a, that, that are provided into those roots to help it grow. So that water provides the vehicle for those nutrients to get into that plant. It doesn't take long for soil to dry out here in Southern California. And you can see the effects and the vitality of the plants if they're not watered regularly. Our little plant out here, I'm, I'm, I'm actually praying for you every time I go outside. Every single day I go outside, I give it a little bit of water. You can see today I put a little bit of fertilizer in there. I am caring for this plant. And literally, as I'm caring for this plant, I'm using it as a prayer point for you. I pray, I got a list of our church, uh, the guests and our uh, regular attenders, and I pray over that list as I'm watering this plant, saying, Lord, may she become like this tree, growing and fruitful. May he become like this tree with deep roots. This has become a prayer point for me as I've cared for it and watered it every single day. But if that thing goes without water for a day, a week, a month, the leaves, what's going to happen? The leaves are going to wilt and dry up, start dropping off here. And, and, and it's going to wither and die. Well, it's the same way with your own heart. We have a, we have a, a thing that we do here at Refinery. We like to get into God's Word every single day, meditating on God's Word. This year, we decided we we're going to read through the Bible chronologically, and it can be a little challenging. Because we get into some of those Old Testament books and we're like, wow, I don't understand a single bit of this. But what you're doing is you're watering your soul. You're watering your heart and allowing that seed to take root. The reason we do regular Bible reading and devotions is because it's like watering soil. And if we go a few days, a few weeks, a few months without getting into God's word and allowing it to water our heart, amazing how quick it dries up. See, because just like we live here in Southern California in a very arid climate and it dries out our plants, we live in this world. We live in this society and our hearts can dry out real fast because the effects and the conditions that we live in every single day. From the anxiety and stress of driving on our roads to the pressures that you feel on the job site to the angst and the issues that you deal with, on a with your family on a daily basis, all that is affecting the fertility of your heart. We need God's word every single day, watering our heart. And we need not only his word, but we need the power of his Holy Spirit soaking us every single day. Ephesians chapter 5 says to not be drunk with wine, but be filled with his spirit. 
And that word, those words in the ancient Greek are active words, meaning be being filled on a regular basis, coming to God and saying, getting into his word, opening up his word and saying, Holy Spirit, reveal to me the truth of your word and let it soak deep into my heart like water on this soil. The conditions of the surroundings and the environment that we live in will dry it out. But if we get in here daily, if we're meditating on it, then we will be fruitful. Take a look at what it says there in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Let me read this to you. God says to Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Meditate on it, letting it soak in, that you may observe to do according to all, and I... I I didn't put it all up there, but let me finish. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You know what he's saying? You'll be fruitful. You'll be fruitful. It's clear. Till it up. Fertilize it. Water it. You'll have, a fertile, you'll have the fertile heart. The soil will be rich. You'll sow God's word in there. You'll hold on to it. And you'll begin to see God's promises come, in path, come into pass in your life. And you'll experience the fruit that God promises for you. Good soil produces good fruit. Now my prayer for you is that you would foster a fertile heart so that you can have deep roots and you can experience what God has in store for you. I don't know about you, when I read that passage, that parable, and I, I read about the seed going into the soil and it's being fertile and it says, and they reaped 30, 60, and 100 times what was planted. I don't know about you, but I read that going, well, I, want, I want 100. I want, I'm, not, I'm not settled for 30, 60. If I can have 100, I want 100. I mean, it's like if you have the chance to win $100,000 or $60,000 or $30,000, which one do you want? Right? I'll give you three right now to choose from. Which one do you want? You want the hundred. You'd be a fool to say, nah, just give me 30,000. I'm fine. Well, it's the same thing with God's word. There should be a desire for 100% of what God has for you. Don't settle for less. And if you'll take a hold of his word, allow it to be sown into your heart. That's what we're doing. Every Saturday night, I'm out here throwing God's word, throwing God's word. I'm saying, Lord, let their hearts be fertile and may it sink in deep and may their roots go deep so that they can experience everything you have for them. Supernatural peace, joy in the midst of a storm of life, healing, health, wholeness, restoration, redemption. These are the things that matter most. I was watching a documentary just the other night. And it was about a guy by the name of uh, Donny Osmond. How many of you guys know Donny Osmond, right? Okay. Some of you young people are like, who? Donny who? Donny Osmond was considered one of the first teen heartthrobs back in the 70s. He had all the fame and fortune that you could imagine. Millions upon millions of dollars. Screaming girls and fans. And it was just crazy. It was like the Beatles. And Donny had it. At the age of 17, he was the pinnacle of pop music. And he shared the spotlight with Michael Jackson. And him and Michael were best friends. And they would share stories about their popularity and their road experiences. 
But then Donny Osmond hit bottom. By the time he was 26 years old, nobody wanted to hear his music. Recording artists didn't want to have him anymore. And he spent the next 20 years going on this roller coaster of emotions and life, trying to figure out how to get back to that peak, how to get there, how to get there, how to get there. Today, Donny Osmond is 60 years old and he was doing the interview and he's found peace. He's realized that the fame and the fortune doesn't answer the deep issues, the deep questions of life. And the interviewer asked Donny, hey Donny, if you could go back to three-year-old Donnie, when you were living on a farm in Utah. If you could go back to three-year-old Donnie and you had the choice of not going the fame route, not going the fortune route, and living a life there on the farm, which would you choose? And Donnie just began to weep. He said, I'd go back and I'd give up all the fame and all the fortune. You see, the heart of mankind is desperate for peace, is desperate for true joy. Not just fame that is fleeting. Not just happiness that comes and goes, but deep joy. And that is found in Jesus Christ. It's found in his word. That's what God has to offer. And if we will accept it, if we'll hold on to it and sow it into our hearts, it will bear fruit in our lives. And you will be exactly who God has created you to be. I want 100% of it. I want the abundant life that Jesus Christ has promised me. My responsibility, work the soil. Work the soil. The seed will grow as long as I keep the soil fertile. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out our website at wearerefinery.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram at wearerefinery. God bless.